I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome, friends, to another r slash malicious compliance video. Today we've got a story of coercing an inspector. But first, a story from One Regret 04. Your way or the highway? Okay. A long time ago, I worked in an office where I female, managed several things, including vendor relations for our repairs. I was about 21 at the time. About a year in, the company transfers this middle manager, we'll call him Chad, roughly 55, from a completely different department to now lead mine. He has no idea how or why we do what we do, but according to him it was his way or the highway. Needless to say, no one liked him, and he led to 80% of the department leaving within six months. At some point, he decides our vendor scorecard should change to a new format and use a new scoring system he came up with. I push back, but he insists that I copy his spreadsheet scorecard exactly and use it as a template to create new files for each vendor. He'd filled out his own template with vendor A's information, so I merely saved the file as new under vendor B to Z, but keeping vendor A's filled in information. Fast forward about a week and we have a recurring meeting with vendor B to review performance and the new scorecard. It's me, Chad, vendor representative, and my manager's boss, Fred. Chad starts explaining his new format and scoring system and passes out copies of the scorecard. Vendor B says, I think you gave me the wrong scorecard. This isn't our company. Chad says, yes, it's correct. I selected your file. Fred, looking at the clearly incorrect information, says, I apologize, vendor, for wasting your time today. We'll be investigating and we'll follow up. Vendor leaves and I'm excused from the room. I don't know what exactly was said, but Chad was less of a jerk for a while. If you're a jerk as a boss, should you just kind of expect that people are going to be kind of, I guess, trying to take your legs out from underneath you some way, somehow? If you're in the workplace and you're a jerk to your coworkers, should you always just kind of be watching your back? Let me know what you guys think in the comments down below. Our next story is from TB Ross 11 Absolutely no OT. Sure thing, boss. I work for a very large corporation in the IT department. I worked my way up from the first level support to the back office team, aka escalation team, like second level but slightly above them. I essentially fix business critical issues that are escalated up from first level and second level. On the back office team, we're a team of six, and we all have certain areas we specialize in, but are cross-trained in all areas to help cover when people go on vacation or call in sick. My area of expertise is the network team and another area that I can't say, or it'll give away the company I work for. But to put it in perspective, the company I work for owns several hundred retail locations from coast to coast in the USA. Because we're in the last fiscal quarter of the year, the budget is tightening. Not because the company's low on money, but because all of upper management wants to stay within a certain range so they can get their bonuses for saving the company money. So a very strict no overtime policy is implemented. At first, I didn't think nothing of this because I prefer to work my 40 hours a week and spend my time with my family. 
But there was a particular incident this past Friday that fueled my malicious compliance on Saturday. As I said before, there are six of us on the back office team. But on Friday, we had one guy off on PTO and a couple call-ins, which left just myself and another guy working. We'll call him Matt. Matt worked the opening shift, and I worked a later evening-slash-closing shift to cover the West Coast. Because it was just the two of us, we were pretty busy. As the day wore on and got closer to Matt's quitting time, we were slammed. We had four locations where their network had gone down and I was dealing with two techs on site that I was trying to guide to set up new equipment. When 5pm hit, Matt had asked management if he could stay an extra 30 minutes to help me out. Management gave a very quick and hard no and reminded us of the no OT policy. So Matt had to leave at his scheduled time and leave me with a huge mess to try and fix. I worked the rest of the night on back-to-back issues and I was able to get them sorted out before it was my quitting time but I had to work through my break. That's when I decided I would not overextend myself and will follow the new policy. The next day is when the malicious compliance started. I was working the Saturday shift and since Saturdays are slower, just two of us are scheduled. Well, on this particular Saturday, the guy I was supposed to work with called in and because no OT was allowed, they couldn't call in another to help me out. As the day wore on, I was increasingly busy being the only back office person working. The last hour of my shift, something broke on the server side and dozens of stores were not able to perform transactions or take credit card payments. I worked hard to resolve it, but the end of my shift was nearing. Cue malicious compliance. The end of my shift hit and I made zero strides in fixing the issue. But because we were on a strict no overtime policy, I clocked out and left, leaving dozens of stores down and unable to make money. I forwarded the information to the on-call supervisor, but they rarely check anything over the weekend, so the issue went untouched until Sunday afternoon, when management finally had seen my reports and emails from Saturday afternoon. The company lost countless dollars in sales, probably in the six figures range at least. My phone was blowing up all Sunday as management tried to get further details for me, but because of the no overtime policy, I couldn't answer my phone, as that would require me to log hours and that would be overtime. So I didn't speak with management until today. When asked why I left work without fixing the issue, I simply showed them the no overtime policy emails they've sent out every week for the past few weeks. They quietly dismissed me back to work knowing they had messed up and caused this. A few hours of overtime cost the company hundreds of thousands of dollars. By Jove, it's right here in the numbers. If you just reduce the amount of hours people work, we won't spend as much money. I mean, sure, they've got to work twice as hard, but that's achievable, right? We'll figure that out later and take the savings now. Any suit that has that line of thinking deserves to have some kind of calamitous day like OP delivered to them because they're so desperately gunning for that bonus. I mean, to me, honestly, I'm already the kind of person where if I have set hours in my contract, I only want to work those hours. So you beat it into me for weeks, no overtime, no overtime, no overtime. I would do exactly what OP would do. As soon as my shift is over, I'm gone. By the way, if you're enjoying these stories, make sure to hit those like and subscribe buttons down below so you never miss any of my daily videos. That said, our next story is from RickBB80. No per diem without an overnight stay? Well, okay then. 
I worked for this company for over 20 years, all of it in a senior IT position. It's a manufacturing company. Our products are shown in a trade show twice a year. Due to our using lots of tech toys to demo the products, IT has to go to the show space days early to set up, fine tune, etc. And after the customer part of the show is over, about four days of that. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Storytime is sponsored by BetterHelp. Nearly everyone at some point in their life will struggle with their mental health, whether that's something stressful at work, in a personal relationship, or something else. I know that I really struggled with anxiety in my early 20s, and therapy was a massive help for me. That's why I'm a massive fan of therapy, and today's sponsor, BetterHelp. If there is anything in your life, big or small, that is negatively affecting you, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. It's an online therapy service that, after finishing a small questionnaire, will match you with a licensed therapist, where you can book appointments that match up with your schedule at any place or any time. And if you feel like you're not bonding with your therapist, you can switch at any point for free. Also, therapy isn't just if you're struggling with mental health. If you're looking for guidance or ways to improve your social skills, life, or relationships, it's a great judgment-free way of doing that. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com StorytimePod today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash StorytimePod. We have to stay behind to take it all apart. A senior member of IT, me, has to go early each day to open up the space, turn on all the techie stuff, make coffee, and in general get everything ready for the sales teams to come in for their 7 a.m. meetings. This also means staying in the space until everyone has left and shutting it all down and locking up. The trade show is within driving distance of my house, important for later, but due to having to be there at the butt crack of dawn to open up for sales to have meetings at 7am, I have to get up hours earlier than I normally would, again, important. Company policy, almost verbatim here, if you travel outside of your normal territory and leave your house more than one hour before your normal time and arrive back home more than an hour after your normal time, then you're allowed a meal per diem. So for 20 years, twice a year, I've been turning in my mileage and daily per diem for meals for seven or eight days and getting reimbursed without a word being said until two years ago. Two days after I turn in my expenses, I get a call. Sorry, but I have to deny all your meals because you didn't have an overnight stay. What? I've been doing this for 20 years and never had a problem. When did this change and why wasn't I told in advance? 
Sorry, just doing what the VP of HR told me. Okay. So I head over to HR and ask what this is about. Well, it should have been this way all along. Some managers were doing it, others not, so now it's the same for everyone. Shouldn't we have gotten a notice beforehand? Or a written addendum to the policy manual, since that's not what the policy says? Well, it's the policy now, she says all angry and red-faced. It's been over three years now, and it's still not in the written policy that is being handed out to new hires. Well, alrighty then. Cue the malicious compliance music. Our travel coordinator is not an employee, but a contractor that gets paid on commission. So spending more means more money for her. And she doesn't talk to the HR other than to get what the rules are. She also approves our expenses based on what the rules are. As long as we're within the rules, automatic approval. And I get the reimbursement by direct deposit within a few days. A month later, I have to visit a customer's location, two hour drive from my house. I have about four hours of work to do. I used to do all of this in a single eight day easy. Not anymore. I let the travel agent know what customer I'm going to and I'll need a room for two nights. A day to travel there, a second day to work, and the third day to travel home. So I travel there, do the work, and then drive home. I don't stay overnight, don't even check into the room. But since I didn't cancel, I get charged anyway. Instead of just mileage and a one day per diem, it's now mileage, three days per diem, and two hotel nights. What would have cost the company about $100 now costs over $400. And the next trade show, you guessed it, hotel room for seven nights, of which I actually stayed in two nights and only then because I went out with a customer for dinner and a few beers. The rest of the time I went home. I do this for all my travel now, especially if it's within driving distance of home. My travel expenses have gone up by three or four times what they used to be. Did anyone even notice? Nope. No one has said a single word. Not one. Hello, anyone home? Apparently not. I've even been given a decent raise. I should have slowed down and spent more of the company's money sooner. I might be CEO by now if I had. I mean, I'm not experienced in this field at all, but I feel like if you have a job where your workers are traveling a lot for their work, I feel like the least you can do is provide them a meal, you know, the smallest thing to try to keep them happy. Because, I don't know, I feel like that is a line of work that you're not going to have an ease filling that position again with a quality worker if any of them get disgruntled and leave. I mean, I just think a job where you have to drive multiple hours quite often is a hard sell to get a lot of people on board. And our final story of the day is from Big Heckna. You want me to coerce an inspector after someone else did the work? This happened years ago. I had just started working as an independent electrician, and one day I received a call from a new customer. He was one of those people that flips homes in lower income neighborhoods. I'll call him Todd, but honestly I've forgotten what his name was. Todd asked me to meet him at a vacant house he recently bought to give him an estimate for a full rewiring job. He was 30 minutes late, so I was already unimpressed with him. Upon entering the house, which was right after a rainstorm had passed through, we found an inch of water covering the hardwood floors. There was water pouring out of small holes in the columns on the front porch. Everything was soaked. Instead of showing me around, Todd called his business partner and brother and spent the next 20 minutes cussing him for not fixing the roof. 
I'm standing around and listening to his man-baby rage on full display. The whole time I'm thinking, there's no way I'm going to work for this guy. His fuse was too short and his anger was out of hand. I gave him a price, which admittedly was the I don't want to do this job price, and didn't hear back from him until months later. Todd called me later that year. He explained that he'd found an electrician from three states away and had paid the electrician with ceramic tiles instead of cash. The problem now? Well, he needed an inspection from the city electrical inspector. I agreed to meet the inspector for him, which I would bill him for. I went back to the house about 20 minutes before the inspector showed up and saw numerous issues. When the inspector arrived, we walked through together. Every issue I saw, the inspector also saw. He pointed them out, and every time, I agreed with him that the work was not up to code. This inspector kept looking at me with a puzzled expression. After we did a complete walkthrough, I finally explained to the inspector that I didn't do any of the work and was hired to get him to pass the inspection. He asked me if I thought he should, and I told him, absolutely not. I got paid for my time, I got paid to repair all the violations, and I formed a strong relationship with that inspector, who was always lenient with me on all my future jobs. I don't really know what this guy expected. You just call an independent electrician in to walk them through the house, and I don't know, you expect to pay them off to try to convince an actual inspector that the house is good to go? I don't understand how this guy thought any of this was going to work. But hey, I don't blame OP for taking the money. Good ethics and easy cash. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now, if you want to hear another absolutely crazy malicious compliance story, click on that left video. Or if you missed my latest video, check out the one on the right. That said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories. Hey folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on.